Hey, you guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. I know I had wanted to start a podcast for years and I just didn't know how to get started. Anchor made it so simple by giving me all the tools to record, edit, and even distribute my podcast across listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. No season of pain that a believer endures is ever in vain. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the show. This is Raised and Redeemed with your host, Michaela Nikolenko. So today I have on Samantha Schrock, and we're talking about finding Christ in the middle of an identity and mental health crisis. What I love about this conversation is that it's really not linear of, you know, finding Christ and then, you know, full 180 and everything being better from there. But it's just a real raw conversation that life is going to be hard. There's going to be challenges. There's joyful seasons and there's painful seasons. And in those painful seasons, we have an opportunity at deeper intimacy with God. And the only way that we're going to endure those painful seasons and just the longevity of our human experience on earth is by keeping our eyes on Jesus rather than ourselves or the things of this world. Without further ado, let's get on to the show. Well, thank you once again for being on the show today, Samantha. I'm so excited to have you here. So you told me that you have lots of friends and family members that are like, girl, you need your own platform to share this story. So I'm really honored because you you do keep it more low-key on socials. Um, so I'm honored that you, you would trust me and this show to be the place to share your story. So I'm excited to hear about it. Ah, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure being a guest. I'm looking forward to working with you. Oh, great. Well, I would love to just jump right into it. You said that um, that you grew up in a Christian home uh, and then it ended up being a mental health crisis that you experienced that revealed to you the fact that you needed Jesus. So I would love to just dive into that. Yes, absolutely. So I just want to preface by saying that I am still very much in the midst of this. I'm definitely still a work in progress, which aren't we all, but by no means would I say I'm on the other side of it per se, but I'm definitely learning to find content for the race and even the more difficult parts of the race that God has set before me. Um, yeah, it's not as much I've learned just through my mental health journey about setting my sights on the finish line as much as it is about setting my sights on him. Because I think the beautiful thing is it's not just that he's waiting for us at the finish line as much as being in the midst of it with us. Like, yeah, I think we get so mistakenly fixated on an end goal or an objective that we feel like we have to achieve to attain a definition of success or to even just reach 
a societal expectation that's been placed on us or an expectation that we have for ourselves, wherever that comes from, and just breathing and simply acknowledging that realization that it only comes from Christ. Will we ever be able to fully attain that sense of, I can breathe, I can be myself, I don't have to acclimate to resonate with people in a certain way, to assimilate to societal standards that could possibly inhibit um, the person that God wants you to be. I mean, you're even speaking to me right now. I feel like even in that <laughs> couple of lines, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm like taking a taking a breather, sitting back. Yeah, I appreciate that message for sure. I think I think more of us could use it. Yeah, it it God has honestly been speaking to me in the past few days. I've officially been a Floridian for two days now, and so this has been a crazy change, but. Yeah, it's it's a lot to process, but it's been so wonderful. And he's teaching me things every minute of every day. And yeah. How are you adjusting to it? Do you like it so far? You know, I do. It actually rains a lot more than I thought it did, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, it's just the time of year. So I hear it'll get better yeah. in October. So <laughs> well, and it's interesting because, yeah, it is a little bit rainy today. But like, I feel like I don't see this that often to where when it does happen, you kind of appreciate it when it does. But yeah. where are you in Florida exactly? Yeah, so I'm in the Fort Myers and Cape Coral area. So that's a few hours away. So we probably have slightly different weather climates. What did you say that you moved here for again? Yeah, so it's it's kind of been a long time coming, to be honest. I lived in the Midwest the majority of my life before that. And it was kind of a joint decision. My family and I just kind of decided that God was calling us to uproot and start a new life down here. Um, my parents got jobs and I'm finishing college and I'm going to be on the job market looking for something after I graduate in February. So, yeah. Wow, that's so exciting. It's cool that your whole family came too. So you still have that support system. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly made all the difference. I, I, absolutely commend people who can just uproot from everything they've known, including everybody that they've known and just get adjusted on their own. I mean, I don't think I could do that personally, but <laughs> yeah. So that's how I was. I grew up not very close uh, to any of my family members, not by choice, but just by circumstance. And uh -huh. I, did. I moved across the country as soon as I could. And I definitely like, it was hard. It was lonely. I, I noticed like, you know, freedom, Freedom also comes with loneliness. If you're, oh, if you're I was all about, you know, seeking freedom, seeking freedom. And that was before I became a believer too. And then I realized I'm like, what am I like trying to be free from? And I just realized like how incredibly lonely it was. Um, and then I married a guy that's like super close to family. Like he wouldn't even think about moving unless his family was moving there too. So it's something I'm learning now as well as like how to be in like relationship, you know, where you move as a pack. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's definitely a unique dynamic. And I know that we all have such different upbringings that influence the dynamic of our, our family unit, even as we merge into adulthood, and we kind of navigate like, what does our relationships with our immediate family look like our parents, our siblings, and just trying to decide, like, how does God want them um, intertwined in my life like what what is too close what's too distant like yeah it's, it's a tricky balance to discern just to go back to it, you did say that your family um they're all like really strong Christians yeah absolutely I 
I was very blessed at a young age to be introduced to Christ by my parents. I grew up in the church, um, was very locally involved in things um, until I actually switched from a public school environment where I lived just in a small town community where everyone knew everyone and moved to an unfamiliar um, school that was a private kind of Christian academy just to kind of try something different and was very excited going into it. And um, it kind of, I don't want to say defied my expectations, but didn't definitely didn't go as planned. And it kind of served as a wake up call for me to realize wow, like I'm getting some, some backlash for being myself. And then it, it kind of started to cause some deeper rooted insecurities to develop and kind of fester unknowingly through middle school and even into high school that made me question um, my identity in Christ, mm. just some falling outs with friends and other situations like that. And so, yeah, I think that was early middle school, kind of that transition was the, a precursor for the trajectory of some of the mental health issues that I developed in late middle school and early high school that are even somewhat affecting me now. Yeah. yeah. We, we do carry those things from childhood. It seems like maybe forever, at least that's how it feels right now. Yeah. <laughs> you learn better coping skills. And, and like you said, it's like not focusing on the end goal, but just, um, the day-to-day like enduring seeking God in those moments you you said something um in the form where you said ah the painful seasons of your life have revealed to you far more about the depth of Christ's love for you than any joyful season ever has and I just I love that so much yeah absolutely I mean at the risk of sounding cheesy like we can't truly appreciate the brightness of a star symbolic of joy without the contrast of the night of the Mm -hmm. dark and it's not I think there I don't remember the exact scriptural reference but there's even a mention I think in Peter I just thought of off the top of my head where he's talking about not being able to experience the fullness of a relationship with Christ and the fullness of joy until you experience adversity and trial and even temptation and sin that goes along with that absolutely yeah, it definitely is like you see more about his goodness in the contrast of of what's not good. So then in your in your story, so you moved, you said from public school into it was a, a Christian school, you said? It was, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting that like it would be at a Christian school where you would begin to actually fall away from Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I would say it was a little less falling away and just more questioning what I knew to be true about my faith. Mm. I was, I feel like I was redefining my perception of who God was and kind of stripping my mentality of all of the defaults that I had kind of reflexively fallen back on when something happened um, that defied my expectations and kind of made me realize that there's not a one size fits all approach to God. Like he reveals himself in so many different unique facets based on the situations we're in. And that's what I think is beautiful about the fact that we have such unique and different relationships with him, that no two people know God the exact Mm -hmm. same way. He's the same creator. And yet we each get a, a, a different revelation or different perception of who God is. And so realizing that kind of made me think like, I don't have to compare myself to people 
under the impression that we need to be like on the same spiritual wavelength to determine, Mm -hmm. oh, this person is, I I don't want to say like, this person is more um, spiritually in tune than I am. This person, you know what I mean? Like has it more together from a a faith-based perspective um, that those assumptions kind of contributed to my identity crisis, I would Mm -hmm. say, but yeah, that was definitely a road to overcoming. I reflect on that even now. I definitely feel that way because I've been, um, it's been my heart to want to get more involved at church and be more involved with that, like professionally as well. And it's just not been working out, not been working out. And I definitely feel like A, rejection, B, trust that, you know, God prepares you before he sends you out. And then C, it does make me reflect. It's like those little doubts, those little whispers of, like, am I not, like, do they see that I'm not like as far along in my walk with God as, mm-hmm. as they are? And that's why they don't, they don't accept me or like want me to like be there at that level. And I have those same kinds of, of voices in my head. And I, I think it stems from a good place of like mm-hmm. wanting to be close to the Lord. And when you take something so serious and it's so important to you, I think it's normal to have questions about it too, of like, could we be deeper? Like, could we be tighter? That everybody's relationship is different. And that's why you can never judge somebody else's relationship with God, because it that's an intimate experience that nobody on the outside could ever see into or really understand. Exactly. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think by no means am I belittling the church I grew up in, because I thoroughly appreciate and enjoyed attending there. But there were times I felt as though the uniqueness and the forgiveness that goes along with how sins uniquely manifest differently in people's lives that kind of cause them to stumble or succumb to sources of temptation that say other believers weren't accustomed to um, was somewhat lacking. And I think that contributed to um, my misconception of like, oh, I am either holier than thou as far as like I'm comparing myself to this person and putting myself on a proverbial pedestal or I'm comparing myself to this person in a very negative light that makes me think less of myself and less of my intimacy with Christ because I falter in a way that they don't identify with or relate to. And so I think there was a lot of power in that realization that like we... God gives us unique grace because we are afflicted by certain wounds in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And it's not, again, it's not a one size fits all application. It's, it's the beauty and realizing that's where the uniqueness of the person of Christ intervenes and compensates for each individual lack. Yeah. I, I came across this quote that this reminds me of that says the wound is the place where the light shines through. And so that's true even in terms of relationship with with Jesus. I noticed that both Satan and Jesus are after the same wound. Uh Satan's after it to cause more pain within that wound. Jesus is after it to heal and redeem it and do something good through it. Absolutely. That's so interesting how both light and dark are almost at odds with one another going after the same either vulnerability from Satan's perspective or strength from Christ's perspective, because he turns our vulnerabilities into strengths. Amen. Uh, So in speaking to, you know, some of yours that you 
like personally experienced, how did you begin to come out of that identity crisis, I would say? I would honestly say that I was kind of under this this cloud of disillusion that Satan kind of finessed around my around my conscience and made me think even through high school that like I was powerless, I was voiceless, that my story did not deserve to be heard, that every time I opened my mouth I would be met with rebuke and almost mockery thinking like, how, why do you feel as though you have a leg to stand on when you are still battling these, these Mm -hmm. demons every day? And then that, yeah, that just kind of, that sat with me for a long time and almost deterred me from being more intentional about pursuing Christ and investing in my relationship with him. And so I felt as though those misconceptions about myself reflected my trust in the sovereignty of Christ and the role that he plays in my life. And so I definitely kept him at an arm's length through, I would say the majority of high school even. And it honestly wasn't until my freshman year of college that I just found myself um, on my knees several times, just completely broken from various symptoms of mental illness that had just exacerbated. And I just cried out to him and was like, I don't, I feel like I have known who you are my whole life, but I don't know who you truly are because I've had all of these different voices and potential misconceptions fighting for a front row seat to really understand you, you know? Yeah. And like, it was, it was a rough time, but, and I, I'm very much, like I said, still in the process of familiarizing myself with Christ as every believer is, but I feel like the biggest breakthrough was that epiphany that like, our compartmentalized version of God that we acro- that we acquire through our limited understandings as as people is so restrictive, is so limiting, and there's so much more complexity and beauty and sovereignty and authority to God than I could ever fathom. As a child, I had a very connective, intimate relationship with Christ that to be honest, unfortunately, was somewhat lost in the translation of that identity crisis that we were talking about earlier. But as far as reconnecting with the person of Christ, that has been a process that has unfolded in a very unexpected way. I guess when I think of coming to Christ and almost, you know, the process of you receive salvation and there are highs and lows as all believers experience. But I think for me, it was, it was not linear at all okay. reconnecting with Christ. And so it was, it was a process of like, how do I even approach God in prayer? Because there was almost this, this assumption that I had to approach the throne of God with a sense of professionalism and a sense of like performance. Like I have rehearsed the things to say my whole life. And now I find myself in a place where I want to not only for the sake of impression or the sake of knowledge, but just for the sheer intimacy of knowing Christ for who he is and feeling the joy and just embracing the love of being fully known and turned by him. Mm-hmm. And so I would say like the biggest takeaway in the, in the past few years has really just been like when I'm alone in the evenings and like sitting on my couch or on my bed or whatever, And I just start like trying to remind myself, you don't have to be like, 
dear heavenly father in heaven like I you know it's just yeah. like hey Jesus like I picture yeah. him sitting next to me I picture him like sitting across the table from me even while I'm working on homework and just like just whispering things like you got this you know what I mean like or I want to talk to you right now like like I would get a text from a friend you know what I mean like just personalizing that relationship to where it's not this distant figure that I feel like I can't approach you know I feel like that's one of the like pain points in religion and that was like one of Jesus's pain points with the Pharisees was it's like they had all these traditions and rules and um, sacraments and things that they put before the actual relationship with God and so Jesus came and he's like flipping tables and he's like, no, this isn't how we do things. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's so much power in that. Like, not that, not that religion in and of itself is inherently wrong, but when it becomes idolized and almost prefaced over the importance of truly knowing Christ is when the problem arises. And I just, yeah, in the past few years, more than ever been realizing the lack of that in like the 10 years prior where I just kind of, you know, cross my T's and dot my I's. I did what I was supposed to do. I read my Bible. I prayed every night. I went to church and honestly thought nothing more of it. And then I started, he's really started pulling at my heartstrings and making me realize that the intimacy and pursuit of knowing him and honestly having an ongoing dialogue with him during the day. Like that's Mm -hmm. another thing I feel really helped me was not necessarily having to conclude my prayers every time by saying amen and like concluding a letter. Yeah. Because I mean there's a formality to that, you know? It's almost like I'll I'll be driving to work in the morning and just talking to him like I would a friend. And instead of signing off, I'll be like, talk to you later. Like and then we just kind of pick up and even if it's not speaking the prayer out loud, like in the middle of my work day or in the middle of working on school, I'll just think something and, you know, ask him or thank him or just stay communicating with him throughout the day. That makes it feel like so much more of a personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I definitely, I do the same thing. I, I feel like one of my things has been learning to the opposite of like learning to honor the throne of God more and like, oh my gosh, like he is sovereign, like he is in control of everything and like trusting because I grew up kind of opposite where there really wasn't any religion in my household. So Mm -hmm. I started with the relationship and worked backwards of like reading the book of Isaiah and just like the wrath of God too, like how Mm -hmm. powerful and how he is all about justice. And it kind of, it puts you in your place and it humbles you too, where like, I think that actually makes you appreciate Jesus even more too, because you're like, wow, like when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sins. He sees the blood of Christ that covers me and thank God, because like, I do not want to be under that wrath that I also know he's capable of. Oh my gosh. Bars. That was awesome. Yeah. Honestly, that brings tears to my eyes too. Thinking about how like Jesus is truly the ultimate intercessor. Like by no means did he have to intervene for us. I mean, even from the first sin that was committed against him, he still chose to intervene for us and say, like, I'm going to make a way. God said, I'm going to sacrifice my son to compensate for your transgressions because on your own, you amount to nothing. And that's a scary realization to think like, 
we inherently cannot produce anything worthy of Christ or of the Father's admiration. And I think certain insecurities that I've had through my mental illness journey have made me realize that they're not as much insecurities as they are rooted from a a complex of pridefulness Mm. and realizing like, or I guess not realizing, but assuming that there's something I could do to elevate my myself to a level of um, worthiness to compensate for a lack thereof. And yeah, it's so interesting to think about how like his power is absolutely made perfect in our weaknesses. And there's nothing that we could do on our own to stand before the throne of God and be considered worthy. Mm, I just love how honest you are about that, because that's something that's really hard to share. Like the strongholds that we have, you know, like mine are like rebellion. And um, that's the major one I can remember. But so to say like yours is is pride and the different ways that that shows up of separating us from God. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's so important to, yeah, to be able to recognize that. So you know how to combat it so that it doesn't get in the way of your relationship with God. Absolutely. I was thinking too about another uh, quote that you said in the form um, that I just wanted to share. You said, you said, so loving Jesus doesn't eliminate struggles like mental health but he continues to meet me where I am and intercede on my behalf to where my hope isn't misplaced in things of this world anymore. And I would even extend that to say to where your hope isn't misplaced into yourself and your own worthiness, like we were just talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Satan will masquerade in these false ideologies that he kind of implants in our minds. It makes us think like there is a race that we have to run, but in order to reach the finish line, we have to be, it's almost like a bar that he has dangling over our head. We have to jump to reach the bar so that Satan can move us, even though we don't know that he's the one dangling the bar. Mm. But the truth is at the end of the finish line is Christ. And he wants us to fix our eyes on him instead mm. of looking, looking up at the bar and trying to jump at it because he just wants to take our hand and pull us over. You know what I mean? It's like he's right there. And yet we can be so absent minded and negligent as to not prioritize and fix our eyes on him. It's like, hello. Yeah. And I think that's really hard to do when you are going through a painful or confusing season because it does, it requires the ultimate trust to just to keep looking forward. One of the quotes I shared that you wrote in the beginning, it's like about how Jesus is power is made perfect in our weakness. I know I have like joyful seasons and then I've got really down seasons. And like, as much as I hate being in those down seasons, it's always an opportunity to grow in my relationship with the Lord as hard as that is. And I noticed too, like when I feel that way, I'm not excited to get on. I'm not excited to podcast. I'm not excited to do content. And that's typically when I like take a week break because I don't know how to like navigate and keep sharing from that space. Um, yeah. I notice it's way easier to share from the joyful space. So gosh, it's just, I think it it is important to, to keep sharing and to keep talking even from those down spaces too, but to know like what those seasons are meant for and the fact that they're, they're on purpose too. And it's not something yeah. that you need to like rush to get out of, but like figure out what the, what the relational intimacy can be. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, for sure. Like, I think it's amazing to realize that those, those droughts per se are just as valuable, if not more so as the seasons of joy and realizing too, that no season of pain that a believer endures is ever in vain. And like God, even if we don't understand the fullness of how he's working in that moment and nine times out of 10, he doesn't want us to, because we are able then to look back in retrospect and see exactly where his hand was when all we saw was darkness, feeling our way around and wondering, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering me when I call out to you? When in reality, he doesn't have to yell at us because he's right next to us and he's whispering, child, I'm here. Just focus on me. I don't think we like that much, though, because there's no like solid answer. You know, you just have to keep moving through it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's it's interesting because the the softness and gentleness of his presence in those moments when we need gentleness the most can almost feel like absence because the voice of the enemy being so far away i mean he's yelling at us to get our attention because he's not as close to us as christ whereas christ is positioned right next to us literally living in us and all he has to do is whisper for his voice to be heard and so we're distracting ourselves listening to the overzealous voice of the enemy trying to muddle his way in when all we have to do is sit in the peace and the stillness of God's unchanging presence, which is, of course, so much easier said than done. But it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to realize, like, I don't have to look for him. I don't have to compete with anybody for his attention. I mean, he's there all the time. Yeah, I think, I think that's, it's in the moments of, of silence and stillness that you can really tap into that the most. And um, I think that's why we do live in such a busy, distracted world as is, is it is. That's a version of Satan screaming and keeping us distracted and busy and looking everywhere else, but just the stillness of the present moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's a pretty darn good tactic because he gets us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I like I struggle with anxiety a lot. And it's one of those things. It's like I'm a believer. I should I should, you know, not worry. I know the Bible says not to worry. I know my faith should be in God and, you know, that I have nothing to worry about, but I still, I still do it. And so I really love, I love like this conversation around it. It's like the mental health stuff might not go completely away and it's not going to be a linear from here to there. Now it's all better, but Uh just continuing to it goes back to the relationship, just continuing to grow in that relationship and figuring out ways. It's like, it's like just advanced coping skills of like, okay, I feel this eyes towards Jesus. I feel this eyes towards Jesus. Yeah. If we can just train ourselves to move in that way. Absolutely. I know. And like the moments where we're tested, the moments where even if we don't succumb to temptation, we're experiencing temptation, those are the hardest to keep our eyes on Jesus. And ultimately, we need Jesus all the time. But those moments of weakness are where we need him the most, because there's even more of a chasm between him and us. And it's like, there's nothing we could do to ever bridge that on our own. But when we fall away, and we're seduced by those sources of temptation that deter our attention from him, are when we're even farther from him. And so like the importance of just simply acknowledging and recognizing that he is still with us in the stillness and the darkness and those moments where we feel as though 
we're alone or even accompanied by nothing but evil in our spirits, in our surroundings, whatever it may be, like Christ chooses to sit in that with us, not because he has to, but because he wants to. So we just ended that last moment on a mic drop. So I just wanted to know too, if there was anything else like on your heart that you feel like you would like to share if you think about all these people that have told you like you need a platform and like I want to hear your story if you were to share anything with them what would it be yeah so something that I realized that's been kind of resonated with me recently um the fact that God just continues to meet every sinner who cries out to him in their time of need every person who's ever broken his heart every person who um, has committed a transgression against him, which literally constitutes everyone. Um, he pleads with them to fall into his embrace, to receive salvation and to be adopted into his family, which is so amazing to me, because if you think about it from our limited understandings, it should be the other way around. Like, shouldn't we, the perpetrators against him be pleading with the one who's blameless to Mm -hmm. open his arms up to us after we've chosen the enemy over him time and again. And yet not only is he still the seeker and the pursuer of relationships, but he organized the ultimate intercession by sending his beloved son to take our place. Like also that we who on our own amount to nothing more than filthy rags in his sight could be free from the bondage that we enslave ourselves in. Isn't that just amazing? Yeah. Oh, I love that he, like how hard he pursued me, for example, like I will never forget that. And I think about it, like I ran from him for so many years. I, like you said, I broke his heart time and time again. And you're right. Like he did keep pursuing me until finally I had the eyes to see. And I don't think he stops. Like, I don't think he gives up on anybody. And I don't know exactly how that works like with those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life like of course you would want that to be everybody but some people choose not to ever know him but i don't think he ever gives up pursuing them until the very end exactly no that's so true and i honestly think like some of the ammunition that people think they have against god is from assuming that he is the one who will inflict the wounds that that have been festering in them of sin and shame that lead to death, ultimately. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't realize it leads to death, but like, he can't be because he's not just the embodiment of love. Like, he's literally synonymous with love. Like, every source of pure love has to be sourced through him. And if it's not, it can't be genuine love. And like, it just is amazing that we can be so disillusioned and fall prey to the seduction of the enemy and fall prey to his wicked schemes. And it just makes me think like, in reality, who are we to question the author of life? Like, who are we to challenge his motives? Who are we to place limits on him and confine him to the descriptions that conform to our capacities of knowledge and our capacities of understanding? Like, why? Do we feel as though it's our right to compartmentalize him and assume God isn't for me? Like I govern my own life. I want to be selfish. I want this life to be about me. (laughs) And it's crazy because like he created us, right? Like so that that God-sized space in our heart that we all have, that 
that wound, that, that void that seeks him and longs for him, that's in everybody's heart, regardless of if they think God is for them or not. Absolutely. A question that my husband has been asking, um, like family members that are non-believers, he's like, that's fine. That's fine. Like, you don't have to believe he's like, but do you miss God? Do you miss him though? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And most people say yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. If you, yeah, because the things that they are aimlessly chasing truly amounts to a deficit of a God, you know, shaped hole in their hearts that they're, they are fighting tooth and nail to have that hole satiated and they can't figure out what, why is there a deficit? They're trying so hard to be happy looking for the wrong things that it ends up leaving them even more sad than when they began. Yep. And it's the woundedness that, um, like makes us believe that it was God that caused this or that it's God that causes suffering or it's God that sends us to hell. And I think it's both, it's both the woundedness and a lack of understanding, um, to think that that's God that does any of those things, you know, like we live in a fallen world because of humans, like our human decision to Mm -hmm. sin against God and separate ourselves from God. So all of those bad things happen outside of the presence of God. Absolutely. Yeah. That's hell too. Hell is the eternal absence of the presence of God. And Mm -hmm. so it's not like, you know, he, he doesn't send you there. He doesn't want you to go there. That's why he sent Jesus to save you from ever having to experience death. But we, we choose by, by not accepting him. Mm hmm. For sure. No, that's so true. And like, I think there are times that people who don't know Christ are deterred from pursuing him because they feel as though there's something so fundamentally wrong with them that Christ could never truly receive them or accept them for who they are. And I think it's okay to have questions about God and faith and to seek counsel through prayer or, you know, resources, believers, whatever it may be. But we also have to be wary of our motives when approaching the questions that we have or the doubts we have. Like, are we challenging God out of a prideful complex that we deserve knowledge and answers Mm -hmm. that we don't have? You know, like God doesn't restrict us from knowledge to reprimand us or to punish us or to withhold joy from us. Like he wants to protect us because he knows that we couldn't come close to handling the full knowledge and power that governs life itself. Like that's not for us. Yes. I watched a testimony a few weeks ago of this guy that he's a Christian and he did shrooms. He used to struggle with addiction, like hardcore, like, like heroin, pain pills. And so the devil still had this in with him where like he convinced him that like weed and psychedelics weren't really drugs. So he ended up doing this, even though he knew better. And he had this whole experience where at the end, he's in this courtroom and Satan's persecuting him saying like, he ate off of our table and people that do these, these psychedelics or whatever else, like if you look for knowledge outside of the word of God, if you look for answers outside of the word of God, there's, there's knowledge out there, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that all of that knowledge is from God. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the knowledge that people get on psychedelics, for instance, or 
like from atheist perspectives or for me, I had all these like occultist, like Gnosticism books before I was saved. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's knowledge that's out there, but that knowledge, that knowledge isn't from God. And that's, that's the whole idea. I think of Eve eating the apple and eating the fruit that wasn't from God and separating her from God and yeah. from truth. Well, yeah, that's so like, I was just thinking that's so ironic because Eve was seduced by the enemy into believing that she could obtain access to God's knowledge and power through the tree of life. And she became convinced that like good versus evil was relative to God's authority. It didn't have a direct relationship with God's authority and that she could define them for herself by becoming her own authority or to defer to other versions of authority that she deemed higher than God. Yeah. And then it was like this seeking of freedom, which I relate to. It's like this seeking of freedom ended up banishing her from the presence of God. And then now it's like in seeking to be right and to know and to have power, you end up just lonely and broken. Absolutely. Yeah. Just reaffirms biblical truth that's so rooted in this concept that like as our creator, he designed us with holes in our hearts that can only be filled by him. Like we can only truly be fulfilled by him and only in the like solely focused pursuit of not just learning about the person of Jesus, but knowing the person of Jesus from firsthand experience, can we truly be content? I want to ask you one more question too. Um, Yeah. So what would your advice be to somebody currently going through a mental health or identity crisis, or they're just feeling like it's a dark season, they're lost, they're confused. And in relation to how you felt back at that time, like what would your advice be to somebody like that who is walking through what you have previously walked through? So kind of tracing back even to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, like knowing that Christ chooses to run in this race of life alongside me instead of looming over me in the distance at the finish line, calling me over and making me run this race myself. Like he calls me to surrender my burdens and to take his yoke upon me instead of trying to carry, like metaphorically speaking, of course, like a 50 pound backpacks worth of baggage with like traumas and bitterness and anger and anxiety and all of these things that are competing for my heart's attention, like that I've been trying to haul while I run, like they're unnecessary, they're counterproductive. And the only source of lasting steadfast endurance that we could ever acquire is through knowing Christ. Mm. And like, whatever that looks like in various seasons of life, it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like God can handle your anger. He can handle your sadness. He mourns with you when you mourn and you grieve. Even if you don't understand your own emotions and you can't express them in a way that makes other people understand, because that's something I've encountered recently even. And like, God just wants to sit with us in it and say, my child, it's okay. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to be somebody you're not. I'm right here. I'm just receiving it too. I'm hearing it too. Oh, (laughs) I don't know why that question is always so hard for me to to verbalize, but you you answered it perfectly. Um, and I feel like a key word there is is the word endurance. Like while we know what awaits us after this life is is heaven and eternity with Jesus, He placed us 
on earth for a reason. And while we might not completely understand that, we do have to find a way to endure the highs and lows just of the human experience. And everything you said is exactly the way that we're going to be able to do that. So I'm really excited that you would take the time to to be on the show today and to share a part of your story. I know that people are going to resonate with it. So oh, I- I'm so glad to hear that it worked out well. And yeah, it was such a blessing to be able to connect with you today. Well, we'll be in touch. So I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Same to you. Thank you.